Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean and this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. Today, Nancy and I are looking at a paper that's titled Ganometry. Is it a reliable tool to monitor passive joint range of motion in horses? And this is following on from last week's episode when we were talking about stretching and range of motion and rehabilitation. So this is by Y. Liljerbrink and A. Berg. And this paper is looking at using a gonometer, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Maybe it's a goniometer. Um, but essentially what it is, is a circular piece of plastic that has two rulers that come off on either end. And you're able to move that from 180 degrees, so a straight line, um, and bend it as the joint bends. So if that was along your arm, as you bend your elbow, you can bend each ruler and you can measure that degree of flexion in the joint. So why they carried out this study? Simple objective assessment tools are really essential to monitor the clinical efficacy of therapeutic event interventions used in equine orthopedics and rehabilitation. That became a mouthful even for me, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Essentially, we need something that is very simple. An objective assessment tool is something that we technically can't really argue with. So subjective is how we feel about um, the parameters we're looking at. Objective is a, an assessment we can get a measurement from. So that's really important. We want to know how well rehabilitation and any orthopedic interventions are working. And how do we know if they're working well? Well, the range of movement is going to improve in that joint. So this study wanted to try and validate two different techniques using this goniometry. And they wanted to measure the passive flexion of the fetlock, the carpus, so that's the knee, and the hock. And they did this in three stances. So first, by examining the intra and intertestor reliability, Secondly, looking at the differences between two goniometry techniques. And thirdly, differences between a standing horse being measured and an anesthetized horse being measured. So just to explain a little bit further, the first one that I mentioned was they wanted to look at intra and intertester reliability. So these are terms that are used in statistics. Intratester reliability is the degree of agreement among um, a diagnostic test that's repeatedly performed by one single person. So if I was the tester every single time, how reliable is the test? So every time I measure, do I get the same measurement? And they found that the intra-tester reliability was very high, so it was really good in this study. They found that it was low in the inter-tester reliability. So inter-tester is where you've got different testers or different evaluators and seeing if they agree on the same results. So where they had different testers carry out the study, 
they had different results. So they had variations in the degree of the angle. But that's not to say that, um, there. I mean, I suppose there's a learning outcome that comes with that. So knowing that we can have these slight variations if we use different testers, that just means that firstly, if we can have the same person analyze the horse, if we're doing a workup or we're doing um, rehabilitation, having the same clinician is really important for possible. And secondly, being able to do this to a degree yourself as an owner, because we always say owners, eyes, um, ears and hands and everything, your objective and subjective assessments are really important in being able to tell and being able to give a full history to the vet of whether there's improvements or not. So you being able to take these measurements is quite effective. And what's interesting about this piece of material is it's really cost effective and easily available and is something that you could test at home. So it made this study really quite exciting from that point of view. Yes, and they are available on Amazon quite cheaply, um, as low as $5 for um, goniometer. However, I found a digital one uh, on in the App Store for free. It's called uh, Goniometer Plus, and um, I downloaded it, and I've kind of been experimenting with it. I think it's pretty accurate, and according to some of the research on this app, it is um, pretty accurate. They also have one called the Flying Ruler, and um, that one is accurate as well. So, um, you know, I would kind of recommend get the uh, physical goniometer off of Amazon if you want, but you can also, it's pretty easy to be able to hold a limb, um, flex it, and then do that, the phone angle, and it's just a, a regular a smartphone, and uh, you put it on top the bone, uh, and then when it's ready and it says begin, then you slide it down to the cannon bone. So if you're doing the carpus, you do above the knee and below the knee, and then the reading comes up. So that's uh, amazing. Yeah, and it's I couldn't believe it. There was not a cost to that app. And then also you can take a picture, so you can use the camera version, uh, which comes with it, and you take a picture, and then uh, you draw on it and arrange your angle, and then it will tell you what the angle is, and you measure the points. There's three points, of course, that you pinpoint on your photo. So I used it for hoof trimming the other day. I took a photo of the hoof pre-trimming and uh, kind of adjusted the angles, uh, and then I did one post-trimming just for the fun of it to see how accurate. And then I used the manual um, hoof angle apparatus and it pretty much matched. So um, I, I thought that was pretty neat. I thought this goniometer in this paper is probably like using a weight tape. When you're comparing your range of motion, you just have to make sure you're placing it in the right position that you did the time before. And so um, that was, I think, where the 
um, intertester reliability went a little south because perhaps from person to person, um, they weren't putting it exactly where the other person was placing it. Do, do you think, Kate, that might be part of it? Yeah, and I think they mentioned in the study too about how how much you flex that joint can vary between testers because what you're doing is you want to bend that knee and then measure the angle. But in bending the knee, they said, um, they had a really good way of explaining that. I think they said they you're wanting to decrease that angle as much as is possible. So you're really bending the knee up to see what the um, maximum decrease of that joint is. And that can vary from person to person, I suppose, how much they bend that joint, how much experience they have. In this study, though, they were all very experienced, the testers. So they were either physiotherapists or I think there was one vet as well that was in there. And so they would have had a lot of experience in doing that. But I think there is just that that difference from person to person, which would be fine when you've got the one person consistently. Yep, yep. And then also the, um, oh, they did a dynamometer. Was Is that what it was? It measured the pressure. And so they wanted to make sure people weren't putting. Um, Excessive a, force. Force, yeah. I mean, you just, this is passive so you don't want to force anything. And um, I thought that was a good point. But um, along this line, they did standing horses and then tranquilized horses. And it was amazing that the trained horses, they were not as uh, resistant to that joint being flexed. So um, that's a good point too. And the horses they did give tranquilizer to, they weren't tranquilized for this study. They just happened to be having some form of veterinary work done that day that required tranking them. And so they were able to just see what the difference would be between standing and being, and then being tranquilized. And I did wonder then, um, because the tranquilized horses were less resistant, I thought that was a really interesting finding from the point of view that like post-surgery or post-orthopedic intervention, if the horse has been sedated or tranquilized for that, then they, if that measurement is taken at that point and then we take it again a day later, that can have differences. Whether or not our intervention has also caused some stiffness and maybe a bit of inflammation that might be there but it would mean you would have a difference in your readings that you may not have been aware would be kind of part and parcel before this study. So we know now that when they are sedated, they're less resistant. Uh, what a great way to be able to assess if your rehab program is working. I mean, here you have a relatively easy to use and non-expensive apparatus you can kind of um, use to help you see if you're making progress or not. And I think um, from that point of view, it's something that just makes it more accessible. I love I love that you found an app for it as well, Nancy, because I love when these things are something that listeners can literally go and apply 
And whether that's you order one off Amazon if you choose to or anywhere online that you find that. Um, or you just download one of the apps if that's available in your region and you go out to your horse and see and you're able to get those measurements because it just makes it so efficient for owners. And having no cost on that app, I think, is huge. Like and that is a massive bonus. And um, there are some uh, that go see the goniometer plus, I believe, does cost but the goniometer completely free and it does work very well. And I had to read the directions, but um, they did do a study on digital ones versus the uh, physical ones and the digital ones ended up being more accurate. Now I do think though, if you get both, you probably should stick with one because each particular uh, method might give you different results so you can't interchange it so if you're going to do digital measurements make sure you stick with the digital form and I mean for free you can't lose anything and the digital one talks you through how to flex and how to measure um, it talks you how to measure because uh, you can even measure um, uh, like a woodworking project at what angle you want to cut the wood. And I mean, you can use it for so many different things. And um, I chose to use it for joints. So I have a um, one of my fingers is not as flexible as it should be. So I even measured that. And so, Amazing. <laughs> so you can use them for fingers, arms. I mean, horses, you can do um, they have only done the knee, the hock, and the uh, fetlock. So, uh, and then also they always recommend you kind of know what the human baseline is. Uh, so you have something to compare it to. And then there's also been research on horse baselines, but just kind of know maybe mess around with your own horse and figure out before they get injured, what their baseline is for them. And then if they were to get some joint compromising situation, you'll be able to have a target goal to get close to. And in this paper, it's open access, but there are pictures of how to carry out those flexions and how to measure. They do advise have someone um, help you. So they have one person hold the leg and one person measure. And that can make it easier for you to just focus on the measuring and not trying to flex at the same time. But in particular, the picture of how to flex the fetlock is really good because knowing where to place the measurement, um, if you do order the physical goniometer, is important to actually get that angle measurement correct and you want to be familiar with using it each time whereas when you're measuring the carpus joint or the um, hock joint i think that's a lot simpler when you see the picture they just lay one ruler is against um the cannon bone and then one is the actual semicircle in this case is pointing from the knee and the other ruler is running up the leg towards the elbow 
but some of these I've seen online are full circles, some are semi-circles, so it just depends on what one you order. Um, and there are somewhat like digital ones I've seen online as well, not to the degree of sophistication as your phone, which I think, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to just use your phone when it's that accurate. But there are ones that have like a little automated reader. So when you move the rulers with the um, degree of flexion, the automated reader will pop up like a digital reading of what that flexion degree is. Wow. Kate, have you ever done this on dogs? Because there seem to have been a lot of research on labs and uh, different breeds of dogs on this. Yeah, I, I haven't, but I have a friend who worked solely um, as a veterinary nurse in orthopedics. She, well, it would have been dogs and cats. Um, but what, I'll drop her a message and I'm going to ask if she's ever seen this used in practice because she's worked in very high referral practices in the UK. So it'll be interesting to see if that was something they availed of. And I'm going to let her know about the app. Um, I even just to let them know. <laughs> yeah. And I think some of the, um, the benefits of this is the more flexible you can rehab an injury then the less arthritic changes that may happen to that joint as a dog or a horse ages or a person. And yeah. so I thought that was really interesting, the study they did on Labrador retrievers. And then they've done them on German Shepherd dogs too that um, didn't have the same results as the retrievers, but they were able to measure the joint differences and especially um, in the, I don't know, the, in a horse, it would be a hawk. What is it called in a German Shepherd? Oh, we would say they're... Um, Carpus or... Um, oh, I want to say tarpal, but it's not tarpal, it's tarsus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's, um, you know, so useful, because so many times these larger breeds and these larger horses, they end up with a little arthritic changes. And if you can ward that off with um, the rehab and the anti-inflammatory and then the good physical therapy, uh, now we have a way to, you know, to uh, help them rehab as, as best as possible and it's something you can use yourself particularly <laughs> if you are a horse rider um, and you can see what degree of flexion you have in your tarsus joint which is your ankle and um, because I know well it depends on what type of riding you do but I remember as a young um equestrian being told like get those heels down you know get them deep and a good deep seat so seeing what flexion you have, I think this has been the second paper in our stretching series is what I'm calling it in my head <laughs> because we've got one more paper we're going to cover next week. But it has um, kind of given me a bit of renewed energy into getting back into stretching and just how important it is. Like having that range of motion is so taken for granted until yeah. you start to lose it. That's when we really kind of... Um, tweak that we need to do something about it and funnily enough after last week's episode I was thinking okay I'm definitely going to get back into stretching going to really focus on it and 
managed to sustain a mild injury at the gym um, and got a back spasm for it and couldn't stand upright. And I just thought, it's so quick you can lose the abilities to do these things. I had about 48 hours of really reassessing um, the need that we all should have to look after ourselves a little bit better and take good care of ourselves. And it's really easy to say, I don't have 10 minutes in the morning to stretch, but your knees, your hips, your back, your shoulders will thank you for it in the future. And you'll be able to do a lot more with your horses and take better care of them if you're taking good care of yourself. Yep. Good point to end on, Kate. And I will add that I'll put a link to this paper, but I'm also going to put the App Store link for the app that I downloaded for free because there's quite a few of them out there and um, I will go ahead and and name it so people can look it up and hopefully it'll be available in your country. Perfect. This is a great paper. As we already mentioned, it is um, open access. So the link will be on the Spotify and the Anchor page. Um, And it's a nice short paper because it's really to the point and, really succinct. So those pictures are brilliant too, worth a read for anyone that's interested. This week, Kate and I decided to include some additional content on this topic of goniometers and flexibility. And so we went ahead and asked a orthopedic specialist to talk more in depth about the process, how they use goniometers in the field, and any recommendations that um, he might have for us using them either either as a rider or for our horses. So anyway, um, let's welcome, and we do appreciate the time he's taking away from his practice to be with us. So welcome, and introduce yourself and tell us what you want to tell us. Hi, my name is Aaron McLean. I'm a, a physician assistant. I have experience in a uh, certified athletic trainer. Um, I have done sports medicine, orthopedic trauma, internal medicine. Uh, I assist in joint replacements of knee, hip, and shoulder joints. Um, I think it's pretty cool to look at the root words of uh, goniometry uh, with gonia being Greek for angle and metron being Greek for uh, measure. So we are measuring angles. Uh, and what we use is the uh, goniometer uh, and we measure the range of motion of joints. So we use this with knees, ankles, wrist, elbows, shoulder, fingers, toes, the spine. Uh, and with this in humans, now I don't have much uh, experience in horses, but uh, in humans, we do active motion, which is the patient is actively moving their joint through that range of motion. You can do active assisted, with, which is the uh, patient is moving their extremity and with some assistance to see how much range of motion you can get. And then there's also passive range of motion, which is the clinician or myself moving their extremity through their range of motion. And those uh, give us a lot of detail of different injuries and what's going on with the joint or, um, you know, where we need to be for range of motion. Um, Who uses goniometers in the uh, human world is athletic trainers, physical therapists, uh, orthopedics, such as myself, uh, and radiology. Um, Why are we using the goniometer? Um, So we have to look at what limits range of motion. So tight muscles, 
uh, pain uh, from ligament sprains, muscle strains. You can get tears of such as a rotator cuff tear uh, that causes weakness and um, you know problems with moving the joint. Uh, you can get cartilage blocks. Uh, osteoarthritis can cause limits in range of motion. Uh, you can get loose bodies. Uh, surgery uh, reduces range of motion, and that's what we try to work with therapy with to get regain range of motion after a surgery. And then there's people that uh, have immobilization, whether from a fracture or they hurt themselves and they stop using a joint and you can get frozen joints, uh, which it helps to uh, have a good sense of range of motion with that. Um, along with uh, measurements of angles, uh, we use x-rays um, too. And uh, on x-rays, we can use measurements and uh, such as with scoliosis of the spine, um, we can use a Cobb angle. Uh, we can have calcaneous fractures, which is fracture of the heel. We can use a bowler's angle to see how much depression uh, in children. We can determine uh, with their fractures with certain uh, bones, uh, if depending on their age, uh, how much angulation of the bone would correct itself as they grow. Um, and then in adults and kids, we can use uh, different angulations of fractures, uh, such as in the fingers and the metacarpals, uh, as acceptable ranges to whether do surgery or not. Uh, and those angles are determined on how much uh, is that going to affect uh, the patient uh, with their daily activities, uh, with their range of motion uh, to be able to carry out those daily activities. Uh, when we're using goniometers, we have to look at landmarks. Uh, so you have the stationary arm and the goniometer, uh, the body and the moving arm. Um, and the easiest joint would be like the knee. So the thigh would be the stationary arm. Uh, over the knee joint would be the body. And then the moving arm would be over the lower leg. And we, um, in the human world, have textbooks of what are normal ranges of motion. And I don't know if they have this in the horse or equine uh, world of, uh, you know, how many horses have you measured to get what the average range of motion of each joint is uh, or the hoof. But in the knee, it would be a zero degrees to 140 degrees. And then you have some patients that are hyperextending. So they're actually like a negative degree and uh, they are very flexible. So they do go past the, the 140 degree mark. Um, in the office, a lot of the times we eyeball the joints. Um, so you, everybody kind of knows what a right angle is for 90 degrees, uh, 45 degrees. Uh, so you can quickly eyeball too. Uh, if you're just trying to get a guesstimate of where a patient's at for their range of motion. Um, and as far as flexibility goes, uh, you know, I mentioned that tight muscles do affect the, uh, the muscles um, and the, the range of motion of the extremities. Um, stretching would allow a better range of motion, of course. Um, and that stretching actually helps to strengthen the balance of each joint. Uh, so as far as the riders would go, which um, for horse, horse riders, um, being flexible, of course, would help to prevent injury of the joint and allow better um, muscle and joint mobility and balance. Um, the body does adapt to stress on it. So um, I'm sure that's true with horses, too. Um, and, the, you know, if you start from going from nothing to um you know, running a marathon, you're going to have aches and pains, um, especially in joints and in muscles, uh, because you didn't allow the body to adapt to those stresses. 
the other things that play a factor with flexibility and strength, of course, is, you know, the age and the health of the uh, person. Um, so I guess that'd be something in the horse world or equine world that, um, you know, uh, how much does flexibility decrease as the horse ages? Um, I think that is all I kind of had to add to this. I don't know if there's any other questions that need to be answered. I do have to put a disclaimer in for any just a healthcare thing is do not rely on any medical information contained in this podcast and um, related materials and making medical or health related or other decisions. And please consult your healthcare professional if you have any concerns regarding your health. I just have to add that in for legal reasons. Yes. And we do it every week too. Okay. So, okay. But, um, the whole thing is, is I do not think there is range of motion baseline on horses for every joint. The fetlock is um, to 120 degrees, but um, that's the only one we could find on. So there, there's some research yet to be done on the horses for their uh, baseline range of motion. And then I'm certain that almost every individual horse may be a little bit different due to um, the exercises or the sport that it's participating in and all that. But that is really uh, a good synopsis of goniometry. And Aaron, I wanted to ask you also, do you think it's um, a tool that can be used relatively easy by horse owners to keep track of their rehab of their horses? Or do you think it's just as easy to eyeball things? Um, I think the eyeball would be easy. I guess knowing the um, baselines would be the best. Um, and if you once you know the baselines of each joint, then it's easier to eyeball. I think the hard thing with horses would be the, um, I think a lot of it's gonna be a passive motion. Cause you can't ask, ask the horse to, to bend it as far as they can bend it. Um, and I know as technology gets better, I don't know if sensors placed on horses would give you more feedback uh, from a day to day of what their joints are going through and the range of motion uh, as they're running, as they're uh, out in the pasture. Um, I mean, those, those data points would be really nice to, to use and, and sensors and technology are really improving. Um, I know there's talk for the future of when we do total, total joints, um, having those built into the actual joint component, uh, so that, uh, there's more feedback on, on component wear and, uh, range of motion too. But, uh, again, that's, that's the future and, um, and, uh, yeah, it should be very interesting, but I think you guys are really touching on a, a good topic of, uh, health for horses and, and training and, um, especially in high competition horses uh, to be at their max competition and uh, you know, putting them through the stresses of uh, those, those com competitive arenas. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to give our listeners another perspective on it and a professional one at that. So yes, I, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Kate. This was a fun one and we'll see everybody next week with the third stretching paper in this series. Thanks so much, Nancy. Take care. Okay. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.